From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Ryan McCrimmon, who covers tax and appropriations policy for CQ. Thanks for having me. So before the Senate left town last week for a shorter than normal August break, it managed to do something that hasn't happened in about eight years. It passed a majority of its annual spending bills by August, which for the slow-moving Senate is no small feat. In fact, the Senate even outdid the House so far by passing seven of the 12 annual spending bills compared to just six for the House. So Ryan, what accounts for this new breakneck speed that we're seeing in the Senate? Well, there's a few factors. Uh, I think the biggest factor is that it, back in February, Republicans and Democrats reached this massive budget deal, which essentially allowed for a lot more spending on defense and non-defense priorities. Allowing members to spend more money on programs that they like makes passing these spending bills a whole lot easier. Always helps to have a lot more money to exactly to, to yeah. spread around. Um, another factor is that uh, Republicans and Democrats in the Senate have really agreed in a way that they hadn't in the past to to commit to passing as many spending bills as they can before the September 30th deadline. If you you might remember President Donald Trump uh, when he signed the last trillion dollar spending package back in March, he said, "I'm never going to sign another omnibus package like this again." It was something that was sort of written in the dead of night, like just passed. In breakneck speed in a, in a matter of a couple catch of days. This is catch-all bill to fund all of government when they don't pass these regular bills on time. Exactly. And the president was very firm that he didn't want that to happen again. Most members don't like doing those omnibus bills. So there was just more of a real commitment to getting the regular process going this year in a way that they haven't been able to do in the past. But specifically, they made a commitment across party lines to get these bills by avoiding a key element that often holds them up. That's right. The partisan policy riders, or poison pills, as they're often referred to, basically these spending bills get loaded up pretty frequently with policy riders that are very divisive and don't necessarily have a lot to do with the actual budget budgeting of these agencies. And those uh, policy issues can often tank spending bills. Like They, they become so controversial that members decide they're not going to vote for it because of one small piece of this giant Uh, spending bill. So the fact that Republicans and Democrats agreed not to include any of these partisan provisions in the Senate um, has made the process much easier. It's it's a little bit different in the House where Republicans have much more uh, control over the process. Those those bills that the House Appropriations Committee has uh, reported out so far are more laden with these policy riders, but the Senate has managed to avoid them both in the Appropriations Committee and on the Senate floor, which is which is fairly unusual. And we saw that bipartisan commitment last week when the Senate took up a four-bill package worth $154 billion, amounting to about an eighth of total discretionary spending for the year. It funds everything from the EPA to housing and transportation programs, along with the IRS, the Agriculture Department, and other agencies. The package sailed through the Senate on a lopsided vote of 92 to 6, and partisan amendments didn't get very far, right? That's right. For example, there was an amendment from Senator Ted Cruz that essentially would have blocked the District of Columbia from requiring its residents to buy health insurance. Uh, Democrats opposed that amendment. Republicans generally supported it, but 
because of this commitment that they have to not um, tanking these spending bills with policy riders, some Republicans, like uh, Richard Shelby, who's the chairman of the Appropriations Committee, said that while he supports this policy, he's going to vote against the amendment in order to keep these bills clean. And enough Republicans did that, that the amendment was not adopted and that allowed the bill to go forward. And there was another partisan amendment on the Democratic side, right? What was that one about? Right. That was an amendment from uh, Patrick Leahy of Vermont, who is the top Democrat on the appropriations panel. He wanted to add about $250 million for election security. This would be essentially federal grants to states to help them uh, guard against Russian interference in the elections. And that amendment was it was not adopted. It's something that a lot of Republicans in theory would agree with. But um, Republicans made the made the case that some of the money that they had previously passed for election security back in March still hadn't been spent yet. So there was still some money lying around. And they uh, Republicans also argued that uh, the federal government should not be playing too much of a role um, in, in elections, which are typically handled by states. And Leahy was part of this leadership decision to avoid partisan riders. He, as a senior leader on appropriations, right. he was part of the bipartisan commitment to doing that. He didn't view this as a partisan rider. He argued that this should be agreed to right. by everybody to prevent Russian meddling. Exactly. And and that is typically or that has been a bipartisan issue. One of the one of the differences is that uh, right, you know, in the, in the past few weeks, the topic of Russian interference in the elections has sort of reignited. I mean, it, you know, it's been coming back and forth um, for the past two years, really. But uh, it was sort of in the headlines, and that sometimes spurs these amendments to spending packages when some big uh, when some big event happens around the world. Members often want to use the appropriations bill on the floor as a way to sort of mark their territory on that. Uh, on that whatever issue it is. So it seemed like a time, uh, a case of uh, Democrats sort of pushing the pushing the line a little bit, even though they had agreed to not uh, push these partisan amendments, they sort of were taking a chance and trying to get this money included. But it didn't work. It, it did not. No, it was rejected. But aside from those two fights that we've talked about, the spending package, pretty much smooth sailing. So what's next on the Senate's plate and how far do you think they can get now? Next up is a combination of the defense spending bill and the labor, HHS, and education bill. These are actually the two biggest bills. So this is going to be a giant spending package, even though it's only two of the 12 annual appropriations bills. It accounts for more than 60% of the um, about $1.2 trillion that that the government will spend on, on discretionary programs uh, in the next year. So this so one's huge. It's big. Bill. And it it's, I mean, the defense bill in particular, members love to vote for that to fund the troops. Uh, the labor HHS education bill is much more controversial. Uh, there's a lot of policy issues in there in the past, um, Obamacare, uh, abortion issues, things like that. This year in particular, the uh, family separation issue has has come up in the labor HHS education debate. So there's a lot of ways that this package could go down, could get mired in, in these really sort of sticky policy debates. We'll see. This will be sort of the greatest test yet of this commitment that we talked about of, of Republicans and Democrats avoiding these, these fiery issues. But the new fiscal year begins October 1st when all these new spending bills will be needed to keep the government running. Is it likely they'll get enacted into law by then? Well, all 12 of them almost certainly will not. Uh, it's possible we have anywhere from three bills signed into law to as many as nine, depending on how efficient Republicans and Democrats can 
in the House and Senate can come to an agreement on the on these bills. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the House has taken a more partisan tack than the Senate, so it's not clear that. Uh, the House and Senate will be able to come to an agreement. So far, they've, they're already in conference over three of the bills, which uh, both chambers passed back in June, I think, um, in in their first sort of minibus package, as it's called. So that could be conferenced and uh, sent to the president in early September if, they, if they're able to come to an agreement. After that, it might get trickier, especially as we get closer and closer to the elections. Campaigning sort of takes over, political messaging. So it'll only get harder. Uh, we may end up with no bills signed into law by the September 30th deadline, in which case we'd have another continuing resolution as we've had every year for, for the past two decades. And or there so. is, we should say, a Supreme Court fight coming up exactly. that might keep the Senate a little preoccupied as they try to negotiate these spending bills with a more partisan House. That's right. Yeah. The Supreme Court fight, who knows what, what's happening with uh, Special Counsel, Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. There's all sorts of things that could pop up and sort of derail the bipartisan comedy in the Senate. Okay. So we'll see how far the Senate can get this month as leaders try to shore up an appropriations process that many say is broken. My thanks again to Ryan McCrimmon, our tax and appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, David. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by reading your daily CQ budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com. Or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at Roll Call. See you next week.